Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Hey, what's up, church? How are we doing in 2021? So I just want to say again, reiterate, I'm so proud of our church and what you guys have done again this year in the midst of a pandemic. That cannot be said enough. Um, one more thing. Can we just celebrate this? Um, the Bucks got their first playoff win since I was in college. That is incredible. That's been a minute. So um, there's a lot to be excited about today. But I also want to address... Um, what has happened over this last week. And we have never shied away from a church of addressing what needs to be addressed and not staying silent, especially, this is where it's really important, where Jesus' name gets attached to stuff, that's when the church has to uh, have a voice in that. And so we just wanna say, and I wanna say real, real quickly and real clearly um, to our church in-house, our large radio audience around the state and beyond, um, those who are watching us via our digital campus, um, I, I think this goes without saying for most people, and my heart hopes that's true, but what has happened in the Capitol this last week was um, absolutely sickening and wrong, and it was evil. And I think it's really important to say um, specifically for the church for this reason, it's why it's a big deal for me, um, because the signs that had Jesus' name on them, it just, we need to be really clear. I don't know that Jesus, and I don't follow that Jesus and it's really important for the church to distinguish that because um, we're a movement that Jesus brought to planet Earth, and he was very clear, I'm bringing an upside-down kingdom. And the kingdom is actually going to be characterized by humility, and by loving your enemies, and by praying for the persecuted, and giving up power rather than seizing it. And in fact, one of the verses in the Old Testament that we most of the times misinterpret, there's um, one of the Ten Commandments that says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. And we always interpret that, you shouldn't cuss. That has nothing, that's not what that commandment's about. What that commandment means is this, don't you dare attach Jesus' name to something that Jesus would have nothing to do with. Don't you dare take Jesus' name in vain. And so I just want to make really clear for the church of Jesus Christ, if there is anything that attaches Jesus' name to it that is not characterized by humility and loving your enemies and praying for the persecuted and giving up rather than seizing, that is not of Jesus. And so our hope and our prayer as a church is to pray for our nation, to pray for those who are affected. My wife and I personally know someone um, who's a part of the police force um, at the Capitol, to pray for all those who are affected, pray for our nation, and I think pray for this old school word that is so relevant, to pray for repentance. And you know what's really hard about that is because everybody always thinks that somebody else needs to pray for repentance. And that every single one of us, starting with me, with you, and I'm talking specifically to the church of Jesus Christ, anybody who claims to name Jesus as Savior and Lord, that we would look in the mirror, every single one of us as individuals, and pray for repentance. And I just want to say this because it's so easy to become discouraged. I believe the church is the hope of the world. 
And I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And if you are a student of history, you recognize that sometimes when God does his greatest work, it is when he figuratively and literally brings people to their knees and strips away everything else to go, you have had your hope in the wrong place. And it is not a kingdom of this world. It's not in leaders. It is not in nations. It is not in parties. It is not in anything other than the resurrected Jesus who came to bring an upside down planet, upside down kingdom to planet earth. And we are a part of that movement. And so this morning, I just want to lead us in prayer. And our first response should be prayer. And so I'm praying that we would pray as a church, and I want to pray for us um, in these moments. And I, w- I just want to pray for a couple things, and this is how I want to lead you as a church, as your pastor, if you call me your pastor, is that we would pray for peace, that we would pray for repentance, that we would pray for reconciliation, and that we would pray for the church to lay everything aside in our nation other than Jesus, and that maybe if we would do that, there would be revival. And so would you, wherever you're at, would you just pray for me right now? And I want to invite our digital campus and radio audience, if you're able to, to pray with me in this moment. And you can sit where you are, you can stand, you can lift out your hands, whatever you feel comfortable with. If you're joining us, you're not even sure about the Jesus thing, you can just do whatever you want to do. But I want to pray right now for us as a church and for our nation. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you that there is no moment and no circumstance where you are ever called off guard that you are the sovereign of the universe, meaning that you know everything actual and possible and you are in control. And Lord, this morning for so many, Lord, our heart breaks. Our heart breaks for so much that our nation has had to walk through over this past year that seems like a decade. And Lord, we are praying for peace. And Lord, we know from the scriptures that you are a God of peace. And Lord, we are praying that there would be repentance. And Lord, I pray that all of us would have the humility to start with us. We always wanna pray for repentance for someone else. Lord, I pray for me that I would look in the mirror and I would ask you to bring me to my knees where I need to be brought to my knees and see what oftentimes I'm not willing or able to see. And I pray that specifically for us as the church and I pray that for the Capital C Church. And Lord, our hope is that you would bring repentance you would bring reconciliation and that, Lord, we would recognize, maybe we would have more clarity than ever that our only hope is Jesus and it is just Jesus. And you don't do anything, you don't need anything to turn nations and empires upside down. We see that from the first century. All you need is a group of people whose faith is fully in you and is willing to follow you in this counter cultural movement. And so God, I pray for us and our community and what we just celebrated is, Lord, one of the huge steps of that we would move into the community to be known for generosity, to be known for love, to be known for inviting everybody in because this is a gospel for all people. And I pray that maybe in this season, our movement called Centerpoint, physically in this campus and around the world through our digital campus and radio campus would have more impact than ever for the cause of Jesus. And we are praying this and we are believing this in hope and in expectancy. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So today we are um, also starting a brand new series called To Hell With Normal. And so like, it's kind of the perfect segue. 
there has never been a time where you hear that language more of like, I just wanna get back to some semblance of normal. Like we are 10 days into 2021 and you're like, I want my money back already. Like there's so much that, man, nothing's normal. Work doesn't feel normal. Church doesn't feel normal. Um, Your parenting may not feel normal. Uh, Some of you are quasi virtual school in person. Like there's nothing that feels normal. And so the constant language is, I just wanna get back to some kind of normal for good reason. But here's where I wanna get our thinking moving in this series is, I think for all of us, we need to redefine what normal actually is. Because the argument that I wanna make is there are some things, and maybe this would be a clarifying season for us, there are some things that we should never go back to. One of the things that's really interesting over um, these last 10 months, this last year, and I kind of reference it, it feels like a decade, um, like we've never been through anything like this. And, and maybe you know the statistics, divorce rates off the charts, um, porn addiction is through the roof. It has risen exponentially over the last 10 months. Um, th- there's so much just in regard to anxiety levels, depression levels through the roof, people just rethinking life. And we, we immediately attribute that to like, okay, well, that's everything that would happen if you're walking through a global pandemic. Like, that's what you would expect. You would expect all those numbers to rise. But I wanna suggest to you that there is a much deeper meaning and a much bigger cause behind all of that because I think anytime you walk through anything difficult, it reveals what is going on inside. It doesn't create it. And maybe for a lot of us, for the first time, maybe ever, or the first time in a long time, you were forced to stop and to think and to reevaluate and confront stuff that you haven't confronted before and that you didn't have time to confront before. And all of a sudden, it brings all kinds of stuff to the surface that as we are running at the normal pace of life, we don't even consider, we don't even think about, we don't even have time to think about. And for a lot of us, we were forced into this place where we were evaluating parts of our life that we hadn't evaluated for a long time. And for a lot of us, we came to this conclusion. I'm chasing a life that I'm not sure that I really want. Like I'm in a place where I'm not sure if I like where I've been going. I like what I'm becoming. I'm not sure that I like me. And for the first time, like you're, you are forced to stop and to pause and to evaluate. And anytime you have to pause and evaluate and you've got some space to do it, sometimes some things come to the surface that you're not sure that you wanna be confronted with. And, and here's what I would suggest is kind of normal in our culture. Here's my definition of normal. Overwhelmed, busy, distracted, anxious, social media addicted, always in a hurry, and we cannot seem to stop. And in a hustle culture, like we can never turn it off. Anybody relate with that in the house, online? Like here's the thing that's really interesting. Before, like just before there was any pandemic, the year before, year over year in our nation, the anxiety rates rose by 39%. Like that is an emotional epidemic. Like here's another thing that's super crazy. The anxiety levels of the average teenager, I'm just talking about average teenager in the United States, the average anxiety levels of a teenager in the United States today is, that, is the same of a psychiatric patient of the 1950s. And come on, you, you guys know this. Like everything has sped up at this unbelievable pace. And I'm not sure a lot of us have stopped to evaluate what that pace is doing to us. Like it's really interesting, even advertisers. Back in the day, like the, the sign of success was like you were on a yacht somewhere, you'd watch commercials or you're wearing ridiculous clothes, playing tennis, or you're like doing whatever. Like that was a sign of success. 
now advertisement sign of success is you're in a boardroom, you're on a phone, and you're super busy. Because if you're not busy and overwhelmed, you're probably not doing anything, right? And so any, like, just like, listen to what people tell you. Anytime you ask somebody how they're doing, what do they say? I'm busy. I'm just busy, crazy with the kids, super busy with the kids. Like we got seven things this week, not sure how we're gonna organize it all, just feel overwhelmed at work. And that's every season of life. You talk to somebody retired, they're like, I've never been busier than I am right now. Like you're talking to somebody who's single, super busy. Somebody in college, I'm busy, I'm overwhelmed, I'm anxious all the time. You talk to somebody who's raising a couple kids, busy, overwhelmed all the time. Like you just ask anybody how they're doing and it's like, I gotta tell them I'm busy because if I'm not busy, obviously I'm lazy. Because kind of the sign of am I making it and am I successful is I'm just busy. I'm shuttling from one activity to another. I don't have any margin in my schedule. I'm constantly always plugged in. I'm answering emails. I'm problem solving. I'm going to the next thing. So here's what they tell you. You, I don't have my phone on me. Um, You check on average, you may be less or more, but you check your phone on average 2,617 times a day. Like that's how much you're touching your phone. And here's the other thing about it. If your phone is in the same room with you, like, Okay, then even according to recent research, your phone does not even have to be on. It could be shut off. But if your phone is in the same room with you, this is just, this is just research. Your problem-solving skills and your ability to reason goes way down. Just being in the same room with your phone, which means this. I think you, can, you are getting dumber all the time. And then, right, then, then we roll from that to, and none of these things are bad, but then we're, we're, to escape, we're moving to Netflix binging, and we're checking the weather, and we're addicted to news nonstop all the time, and the emotive metrics of all of that, and then we're shopping on Amazon, and we don't even know what we need, but we're just doing it, and then we go over to social media, and we get caught up in that rabbit hole, and you're comparing yourself to everybody else, and, and many of you, if you've watched the recent Netflix documentary, or you've seen the research on this, I mean, the individuals who created social media basically tapped into a flaw in human psychology, that every time you get a comment or a like or a retweet, this is just, again, this is just the studies that have been done. A dopamine release happens in your brain that is addicting you to that because the whole goal at the outset was how can we get people to spend as much life as possible on this? And so we're just mindlessly moving through social media and we can't stop because literally we are addicting ourselves to it. And and we have a life where we are overwhelmed, we are hurried, we are anxious, we are depressed. We never have enough time to get it all done. And we call that normal. And come on, isn't this true? Because this is costing us way more than time. The worst version of ourselves is always when we're in a hurry. It's always when we're anxious. It's always when we're overwhelmed. I mean, some of you trying to get your kids to church this morning on time, the worst part of you comes out. Like for me, it's like every once in a while, you like, you just see the disconnect. Like I'm studying theology on like love for a new series and my kid comes in to interrupt me. I'm like, I don't have time for you right now. I'm studying love for a new series. I'm doing get out of my office, right? But it's, it's like where we're at, the worst version of it. I mean, just think about your days and your weeks. It comes out in your marriage, to your kids, to your friends, in terms of just what you're doing day to day, the worst version of you as a boss, as a husband, as a spouse. 
It's when you are living at a pace that you were never designed to live at. And here's the thing, it is costing us way more than time because the thing to go when we are living at that kind of pace is our awareness. Because here's the thing about awareness, you need space to be aware. You need time to be aware. You need margin to be aware. You need that to be able to evaluate anything. And because for some of us, we are at such an unsustainable pace in regard to our life, the first thing to go for all of us is awareness. Number one, no awareness of ourselves. Because you move at such a frantic pace that you've never stopped to really evaluate, do I like who I'm becoming? And then the second thing is no awareness of our lives. And here's the reality is we can so easily live as if what we are doing right now is not gonna determine who we become later and nothing could be further from the truth. All of life's events are connected. And so what you are doing right now, the decisions that you are making, what you are giving attention to, it is ultimately where you are going and who you're becoming. And so there's no awareness of ourselves. There's no awareness of what's going on around us, our lives. And then the third thing is there's no awareness of God. And I think that we're living in a culture right now where there's this constant wrestling of I just, I don't feel close to God. I don't feel like God is present. I feel like God is silent. And here's the reality I wanna tell you is that God has not gone anywhere. But I think more than ever before, we are in a space where we cannot hear God. And I'm not advocating that God's gonna show up and talk to you audibly, but your relationship with God is like any other relationship. It requires time, it requires space, it requires margin in order for God to be able to move in your heart and your soul. And some of us are bankrupt spiritually wondering what in the world is going on and what is going on is God is more present than ever, but we are not in a place where we can hear God with the pace of our life. And come on, you know this already. What you give attention to directs you. Your attention determines your direction. And so whatever is getting the bulk of the attention of your life, just mark it down. It will literally predict your future. That is where you are heading. That is where you are going. That's ultimately where you are gonna end up in five years or a decade. And until you create the awareness that you need, you are never going to be able to change. So here's what I wanna ask you, and this is just where I wanna set this series up. This is why you have got to create some space and some margin to just be able to create awareness. And so the question I wanna lead you toward this morning is just this, what should normal be for you? Let me say it this way. What, what is the current version of normal maybe that you are holding on to? What's it costing you? Let me say it one more way. What is the price of your pace. Like if you were to just kind of move out like what you're doing right now relationally in your marriage, day to day, how you feel in terms of anxiety, what you're trying to fit into your schedule, what your life looks like week to week, like if you were to look to your future and act as if what I'm doing today and what I'm giving attention to today is gonna determine where I'm at this morning, you gotta ask this question. What is the current price of your pace? Because for many of you, many of you if I asked you, like where are you at right now? Like, what do you feel right now? Like, where do you think your life is headed right now? You would say, I'm overwhelmed, I'm discouraged with my kids, I'm disconnected from God, and I feel like I have growing anxiety all the time. And I just wanna tell you, there's always a hundred things that you contribute that to, but I just wanna tell you, 
that anytime you walk through anything, it reveals what is inside of you. It does not create it. And it's why Jesus says, and I love this, he's with his guys one day and Matthew records it. And he says to them, listen, come to me. Meaning like if that's the place that you're in, if that is how you feel, I'm the answer. You're not gonna find it anywhere else. You're not gonna find it by trying to grasp a hold of anything else. Like it is only in me. So I want you to come to me. And then he says this, all you who are weary and burdened. And I don't think, Jesus is brilliant. I don't think there is any more accurate description of our culture than that. Weary, burdened, overwhelmed, full of anxiety. And then he says this, and I will give you rest. Now, here's where I know, like, with everything we talk about in this series, this is kind of where your mind's going to go. Okay, you don't understand me as a single mom. Um, You don't understand the social Darwinism of the marketplace. You don't understand what I do. You don't understand what I'm walking through right now as a 17-year-old. And I would tell you, I don't. You're right. I do not understand your life and what you're walking through. Jesus does. In fact, Jesus was a realist because Jesus over and over again is like, listen, life is going to get busy in fact, busy is not wrong, especially when you are busy at things that matter. And in fact, there are seasons where you're gonna be more busy than others. Like I am parenting four kids right now, eight, six, four, and one. I don't think I'm gonna not be busy for about 15 years. And that's just the reality. Like busy, at the, and, and you may be in a place, I'm a single mom. I, I'm Right now I'm working in the front lines. Like you are doing stuff that matters and there is a busyness that comes with that. So Jesus is not saying this kind of unrealistic, like you should just not be busy at anything. No, God's created you for that. But Jesus is telling you in the midst of the burden that life is just ultimately gonna bring, like there's gonna be weariness in life, I'm gonna give you a different way to live in that, a place where you can literally rest and have a rhythm of life where you do not look like what is normal in our culture. And like, here's the thing, here's how you would, I think, define what Jesus is talking about. Not are you never busy, not you just need to sell everything and do nothing. That's not what Jesus is advocating. But if the rhythm of your life is, my life is situated in such a way that I can never get it all done without constantly being anxious, overwhelmed, and just absolutely anxiety-ridden. Because Jesus would say, there is a bigger issue behind all of that, and I want to give you rest. So come to me. Everybody who would lift up their hand and say, I am weary, I am burdened, because Jesus said, I want to show you a different way to live your life. And then he says this, I love this. Verse 29, take my yoke. And I don't know if you know this, because in our culture, like this is not something that we talk about a lot, but a yoke is, it's that instrument that goes between two oxen that they you know, would put over their necks. I should've got a picture, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Anybody? You with me? Okay. Between two oxen. And it, it literally, that yoke would help them carry the load. So they're doing it together. It's going to lighten that load. And so I love what Jesus says here. Take my yoke upon you. And then he says this. And learn. Meaning, where I want to lead you is not natural and it's not intuitive. But I want you to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, here's the thing. Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was a teacher. Yoke was a common first century idiom or is a part of their language that basically said this. This is a rabbi or teacher's way of interpreting the Torah, which was the Old Testament Jewish scriptures. But then even more than that, this was a common term to say, this is a rabbi's teaching in terms of how to live life. 
And so literally what Jesus is saying here is, listen, I want you to take my yoke and I want you to learn my yoke, meaning I want you to learn my way of living your life that speaks into every area. Like I want you to learn from me how you should handle relationships. I want you to learn from me how you should think about sex. I want you to learn from me how you should handle your money. I want you to learn from me how you should prioritize. I want you to learn from me what you need to do with those things and the depths of your soul that's leading you in directions that you don't wanna go. But I want you to take my yoke because it's better than yours. And I want you to learn how to live a better way because what you are currently holding onto for most of you, your version of normal, it's not working. And I want you to live different. And so as Jesus' disciples are hearing Jesus, okay, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'm gonna give you rest, take my yoke upon you. Here's what they knew that that meant because they are followers of Jesus. They're disciples of Jesus. In this moment, what Jesus is saying to them is this, "I I want you to follow me, and I want you to learn from me, and I want you to hang out from me, and I want you to get so focused on Jesus that he is the benchmark and sets the pace for every area of your life. But again, Jesus is like, listen, you've gotta learn this though because it is not natural, it is not intuitive, and unless you are intent on following me in all of these areas of your life, I'm telling you, the natural direction of culture will lead you in a direction where you wake up 10 years from now and go, I am pursuing or I chased a life that I didn't even want. So Jesus says, take my yoke, upon you and learn from me. And then he says this, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart. Now just real quick pause, because I, I, this is a stereotype that Jesus gets sometimes. And I, I'm not really into that, that's kind of weak, that, that doesn't jive with kind of who I am. Okay, before you go that direction, this is a guy who grew up watching rotting bodies on Roman crosses. And then willingly, without coercion, set his face toward Jerusalem and allowed himself to be crucified on a cross under a death that is unimaginable to any of us. This is not weak. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. And so he says, I am humble, I am gentle in heart. And then he says this, you will find rest. And I love this because this is not just physical. It's not just about your schedule. It's not just like you need to tweak some things. You need some better priorities. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. I am gentle and humble in heart. And if you come to me, if you learn from me, if you follow me, you will find rest for your soul. And your soul is that place of, that's your emotions, that's your will, that's your desires, that's your ambition. Like Jesus basically like, to quote John Mark Comer, like this is the place, you're, you're not gonna solve this with an oxygen facial. You're, like you can get a treadmill, a stand-up desk, whatever it is. You can, uh, like, you can do all the things that you want. Read another self-help book, essential oils, that's great. You should do all of those things. That is not going to solve the problem of your soul. That is masking what is actually going on in the inside of you because your physical pace is set by the level of the health of your soul. In fact, I would just, this is where Jesus is leading us. In most cases, this is kind of difficult to hear, but in most cases, an unhealthy pace is set by an unhealthy soul. And if your pace is out of control, there is a good chance that there is something wrong on the inside of you. And Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me and learn from me. 
And again, if you're like, well, okay, I'm not sure because I wanna be successful, I wanna achieve, that sounds passive. Listen, nothing that Jesus is saying is warring against that. I'm gonna talk about that more next week. We have been created to achieve, we have been created to build, we've been created to pursue, we've been created to be ambitious, whatever that looks like. like that literally is the DNA of God inside of us. So when he talks about yoke, here's what's interesting. Yoke was a work instrument. He's like, no, no, I'm not telling you to not go after it. I'm not telling you to not hustle. I'm not telling you to not pursue those dreams and ambitions that I've placed on your life. I'm telling you, I wanna give you a different way to hustle. I wanna give you a different way to work. I want you to take my yoke. And in fact, for some of you, you may do the exact same thing, but you're gonna do it from a different place in your soul because here's the reality. If you are working and trying to achieve anything that is for acceptance, it doesn't matter how many vacations you take, your soul will always be weary. But if you can get to a place, and this is where Jesus is leading us, where you will live your life, you will parent, you will do marriage, you will run your business, you will go after that market share where you are not trying to earn your acceptance, you are living your life from acceptance, that you are accepted, worthy, secure, bought, a son and daughter of God, and there is nothing in your life that you've got to prove, and that's not going to make you less ambitious. It's going to create an ambition that has guidelines where you run at the pace that God has designed for your life, but your soul is healthy in the process, and you do not trade gaining this world but losing your soul. Because come on, all of us know you got limits. And you exceed your limits when your soul feels like, I gotta do this, I have to achieve this to feel okay. And I've gotta make this perfect to impress. Or I gotta measure up, or if they don't get in, they're gonna fall behind, or we're gonna miss out. And all of a sudden, your desires exceed your limits because your soul is restless. It's why Jesus said, like, I know you've tried a thousand things. I know you've tried to tweak your schedule. I know you've tried to reprioritize. I know you've quit some stuff and it hasn't worked. Because you've dealt with some things on the surface, but you've never dealt with what's going on at the place of your soul. And I just wanna tell you that this is bigger than your physical weariness. You are weary physically and you are unhealthy physically because you are unhealthy in your soul. And I want to give you rest because there is a better way to live this life. And that's why he ends with this. For my yoke, my way of carrying the burden and the load of life, because Jesus never promised an easy life. In fact, Jesus was straight up. In this world, you are gonna have trouble. It is gonna be hard. You're gonna hit seasons where everything hits the fan. So just know I'm promising you that ahead of time. So when people start running on stages with mics telling you if you just believe it and you just have enough faith, you're gonna receive it. Jesus never taught that. It's gonna be difficult. There's gonna be burdens. But I wanna give you a different way to carry those burdens because my yoke, my way of doing life is easy. Not life, but my way of doing life. And my burden is light. Basically, Jesus would just say this. My way is just better. And I just wanna say, like, if you're a non-Christian, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know what I believe. I'm a little bit skeptical. Like, this is what Jesus is offering, not what you've experienced, not what other Christians have done in the name of Jesus. Like, Jesus, at the end of the day, died, walked out of a grave alive, we believe, which validates everything he said. And so he says, listen, my way is better than your way. And you should listen to a guy who came back to life. And like, here's the thing, man. You've maybe heard this as a common um, business axiom, that... Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. 
And so here's the reality. If you don't like your life, you need a new system. If you don't like where you're headed, you need a new system. If you don't like what you feel right now, you need a different way to do life. And so Jesus says to every single one of us, and he says to you, if you've never embraced Jesus as Savior, like you can do that now. Listen, I want you to come to me. I want you to find rest in me. And here's what's interesting is that invitation to come to me is unbelievably practical because in John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. But the last two are the only ones that ever get any airplay. Like Jesus is the truth, our theology, our doctrine, our belief, yes, that's important. But you cannot simply believe your way into a better future. And we always talk about Jesus is a life and eternal life in heaven when we die. And all of that's great. But Jesus also said, I'm the way, which was unbelievably practical. What Jesus was saying is, I am literally the way to live life. So if you want something different than what you are currently experiencing, you need to follow me. You need to take me seriously. You need to pay attention to where I'm leading you in your life because literally... I am the way to shoulder the burdens of this life that are right now causing you to be weary and crushed and overwhelmed. And so if you would move in a different direction, if you would follow me, my way is better than your way. So it's why in this series, we're gonna look at really practical stuff of how to reprioritize, but more than that, how to, how to create margin, how to begin to lean into your limits, which is something we never wanna talk about, how to reset spiritually. But here's the thing. Your lifestyle is determining your life. And so if you want to change some things in terms of your life, you have to change your lifestyle. And this is what so many Christians are in danger of. We cannot believe our way into that. We cannot intention our way into that. We cannot pray our way into that. You have to do something. And if you want to change your life, you have to change your lifestyle. And I think it starts with just creating awareness. So as we end this message, I just wanna leave this one question. This is where I wanna begin to lead you and we'll talk about it all throughout this series. With where you're at right now, you need to create enough space, enough margin to just answer this question. What is the price of your pace? Like what's the price of your pace? What's the price of your pace? What is the price of your current pace? And I don't even want you to do anything because here's the reality. Change requires awareness and awareness is what creates wisdom. Like if you are gonna change in anything, you have got to move to a place of awareness. And once you begin to capture awareness around anything, your marriage, your life, where you're headed, ultimately that is the catalyst for wisdom which can lead you to change. And wisdom is basically just this. The world was set up as cause and effect, as sow and reap. What I do today is gonna end up in tomorrow. What I'm paying attention to today is gonna direct where I'm heading in the future. And so I'm gonna live like that. And so I need enough space to be aware of where I am, to be aware of myself, to be aware of my life, to be aware of my relationship with God. And until I'm aware, I will never have wisdom. And if I don't have wisdom, nothing in my life is ever gonna change. And so God, like help me to be honest enough to evaluate where I am, to create the awareness that ultimately leads to wisdom that is gonna lead me to a changed life. You wanna know why so many are where they are in our culture? There is no wisdom we live as if today is not gonna show up tomorrow. We live as if our past is not going to influence our future, and it does. That's why Moses wrote this. It's one of my favorite verses. Moses, the old man, when he wrote this, he lived a long time. He had a bit of wisdom, and he said this in Psalm 90, 12. 
This was his prayer basically to God. He said, God, teach us to number our days. Teach me to number my days so that I might gain a heart of wisdom. And here's what Moses, in essence, was praying. God, help me to know how short my life is. Like limited supply, it's not gonna last very long. These days are gonna be gone very, very quickly. And here in essence is what he's saying is at the end of your life, you're gonna have extreme clarity about what you should have prioritized, about what you should have done, about what should have been most important to you. And so what Moses is saying is, help me to fast forward into my future and get the wisdom that I'll get at the end of my life and rewind it into today and help me to live like that. Help me to live with the clarity that one day I'm gonna get because I don't wanna wait to the end of my life. I wanna live with that kind of wisdom today. And come on, this is such a big deal for Jesus followers because here's the reality. An unhealthy pace is incompatible with Jesus' most central command. For a lot of us, you cannot live at the pace that you are living and love well. You cannot live in a lot of cases at the pace that you are living long-term and parent the way you wanna parent for the next 10 years. You cannot live at the pace that you are living and give the time and attention to the relationships that matter most. And come on, you, you know this even if you haven't said it this way. In a lot of ways, the success of your life is gonna be determined by the success of your relationships. Fortunately or unfortunately, I've been with a lot of dying people. They are never talking about their degrees. They're never talking about their 401k. They're never talking about, I just wished I would have worked a little bit more. I wish I would have accomplished a little bit more. The only thing that matters in those moments is their relationships. Relationship with themselves, relationship with other people, and their relationship with God. And until you create awareness, you're never gonna have wisdom and you're never going to feel the angst that you need to follow Jesus out of where you are and into the change that he wants for your life. So. What is the current price of your pace? If you keep going the way that you're going right now, prioritizing what you're prioritizing now, where are you gonna be in 10 years? Like, what is the current price of your pace in regard to the relationships that matter most in terms of your marriage? Like, you have dreams, you have a vision for your kids, your adult kids, if you're parenting little guys. Like, if you go at your current pace, what's the price in regard to your parenting? Like, for some of you, is it worth what you are giving up for more success and more recognition. Like the other question, do you like where you are? Do you like where you're headed? Do you like your life right now? Like, do you like who you are becoming? Because what you give attention to ultimately directs you. And you gotta ask the question, do I like the direction of my life? So I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not asking you to change anything. Like you're off the hook. I just want you to create some kind of space and some kind of awareness to just honestly ask this question. What is the price of my current pace? And come on there's gonna be a price either way. It is going to cost you to buck up against cultural normal. It is hard to say no, it is hard to stop, it is hard to not keep up with, it is hard to go, no, we're not gonna live that way when nobody else is doing it. It will cost you to do that, but come on, it's gonna cost you either way. And it costs you a lot more to get down another decade of your life and realize I chased and ended up at a destination that I didn't even want. But I just did what normal people do. And I got what normal people get. And as I look around, I don't want what normal's getting me. 
Like Jesus, I wanna follow you. And so Jesus says, come to me, I'm your answer. Everybody who's weary, everybody who's burdened, and I will give you rest. And I've placed in your heart, in your DNA, a desire to achieve and to grow and to change the world and be ambitious. But I want you to do it a different way. I want you to take my yoke on you and I want you to learn from me and I'm gonna show you a different way to do it. But it starts with, you need some awareness that has the ability to create wisdom that will be the catalyst for change in your life. And come on, again, we know this. The stakes are so high, because here's what the scripture says. We have an enemy and the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's not dumb. He's gonna do it by the subtlety of moving us in the direction because he can't take our life. So his next best option is, I want you to, I wanna seduce you into wasting your life and to move you in the direction that you just move at the pace of normal without ever questioning it. And so it's my hope that we would move to a declaration in this series to go to hell with normal. I am not gonna allow the enemy to take my life, to steal my peace, to kill my relationships, to destroy my soul and rob me of the life that Jesus came to give me. So to hell with normal. I don't care if you're doing it. I don't care if this is what everybody else is chasing. I don't care if this is the cultural norm of this is how everybody feels. This is how everybody's doing it. That's not what I've been called into because here's Jesus' invitation. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I, my invitation, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And if you don't feel like that's where you're at, it's because potentially you are not following me and following my way of doing life. So if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're overwhelmed, if you're anxious, if I don't know if there's any way forward and out of this, I don't think it's realistic. Jesus says to you, come to me, follow me, learn from me. Because my way is better than your way. And it starts with you got to just create some space to be able to create some wisdom to recognize that life is connected. We sow and reap. There's cause and effect. Today is going to end up in tomorrow. And I'm not going to pray my way into this direction if I'm making decisions that are heading me in this direction. So God, give me awareness and help me to see into the future that my days are numbered. Teach me to number my days and give me a heart of wisdom that I don't have to wait for on my deathbed. I want it right now. So what is the current price of my pace? Because I want to follow you. Would you just pray with me wherever you are online or in the house right now? Jesus, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you that Lord, what you're offering is not simply for us to align with theology and beliefs as important as that is, but to give us a different way to shoulder the burdens of life. And so I pray God in these coming weeks that you would give us clarity, you would give us wisdom, that you would lead us to be able to, to let go of some things and leave them behind and follow you in a new direction. And I pray even right now that you would give a level of awareness of some of us who either have been forced to stop or, or we, we haven't really considered these questions for a long time, but you begin to work in this space to show us where we are heading and ultimately where you wanna lead us. And so God, I just pray that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard from you. And we pray this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus, amen. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.